welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. I got some cool stuff to tell you, but first of all, let me just tell you what the heck we're doing here. So in case you're new, um, my name is C.J. Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And the idea behind this is we show up every Sunday night, me and all these cool, great people on the side here, uh, everyone from Chris Carson to... Little Space Freckles. Little Space Freckles has been on here for a long time. Since like no sound. Mm -hmm. um, Unicorns Rock. Eric Whitechurch or Wit Whitchurch. I always want to say White Church. That's what it looks like, but it's Wit. Um, anyway, all these magical people show up every week so that we can help one another be the best teacher that we can be. Right, especially in this time um, in the summer. Some of you are getting very, very close to school going back. Some of you are freaking out about school going back. Some of us have off until the beginning of September. Um, but hmm, weird hair in my mouth. That's going to throw off your intro. Um, <laughs> but the idea here is to create a space that is safe, that you can show up, and you can ask any question that you want. So I can answer anything that you want. You can just put it in the chat there. Um, try and go in order. Try and hit every question. Uh, but if there's a cue or the word question in front of it, it helps us see it more. Um, also, if you uh, if this is not enough for you, we also do mentoring. You can go right to the website, which is getting reworked now. And I'm super excited about it because we're going to start selling all of our weird crap. Our like the, online stores The hand on the stick is going to be for sale on there. The microphones will be for sale. The book. Look at this. Got a poster of the book. Bam. Because um, you know what? When you make a movie... They put a post. They give you a poster of it, and the people hang those in their house all over the place. I'm sure, Tom Hanks is a Forrest Gump poster. I wrote a whole damn book, putting it in a poster, putting it up on the wall. Um, <laughs> so all these things exist, or the Facebook group, Real Rapid Rental Teacher Talk. There's like there's like tons of stuff that you can do. Um, and so here's my couple of things I want to bring up real quick this week. One, um, I wasn't even. You might roll your eyes at me if I ask this one. Uh, Edie, who my helper has been telling me that I need to have a newsletter. She thinks I should have a newsletter where I would talk about like things that I'm up to, stuff that I'm reading about, like the stuff that I'm trying, the experiments that I'm doing. Um, all this kind of like, it's not necessarily teacher stuff, but it's all stuff that is cross-training for being a better teacher, right? Like I'm always kind of, either it's trying to like benefit, like figure out a better way to sleep or to exercise or whatever. I am not sure if, if this is of value to anyone. So if you could leave in the chat, crazy neighbor is screaming his brains out out there this guy he's not a, thank he's goodness just, nobody else can hear him but yeah, us. he's not he's not a nice dude um he yeah <laughs> plus they've been drinking since like seven o'clock in the morning i think he's screaming at his puppy probably oh my gosh anyway but uh i wanted to know if you could leave just in the chat so Edie could see um whether or not this is a good idea if something you would be interested in it would be video um it would only you would only have to input your email i would send it to your to your inbox, uh, we're thinking once a month right now, maybe twice a month. Um, so that's something that we're doing. Second, um, I'm thinking about, uh, real quick, I think this is, well, actually, I'll get to that one later. I want to also show you, though, oh, you're playing with the phone. Oh, here, no, I'm not. I wanted to show them. Well, you can go I don't know if I showed them this last week. I, think I got these new light bulbs. And if you didn't, if I didn't talk about this next week, I'm going to get to your questions in a second. I'm just really excited about these light bulbs because I think I want to give them for my classroom now. They're so fun. So these are... This is relaxed, right? It comes with this little app. Um, I get, we got them at Home Depot. They're like 12 bucks. I'm not affiliated with this company at all. So you could do um, daylight. Look at that. You get you sunburn. You can dim it also. You can dim it. You can do relax. 
You can do candlelight, which has a slight flicker and goes between orange and yellow. Um, you can do fireplace, and that has four different modes. Did you know this? No. Yeah, I don't really know how to change that yet. It's changing. I see it. On yeah, but you can make it go faster or slower. Oh. There's romance. <laughs> and here's my corny. favorite one. This is party. And you can speed up the lights so they just keep going. So this is making this white light down here is put offsetting a little bit. But I this is my favorite one. It's really fun. Brody or, loves oh, Brody ocean. loves <laughs> deep dive, which is this crazy blue color. Or there's also the ocean one that's like a slightly brighter blue. Um, I love it. There's Christmas. There's Halloween. There's all kinds of stuff on here. We're going to stick with relax for today. But um, this is my favorite new purchase. I want to get these for all the lights in my classroom because I'm just thinking of like, dude, when you're reading a story, if it gets like, if you want to change the mood just so slightly or you're going to read with your class and you want to dial it down. Really fun. Like I have in my room, I have fluorescent lights like everyone else, but there's two track lighting pieces that the school put in there for some reason. And I use them as spotlights. But man, to put these in there and then just change all the lights at one time. Bam, bro, dude. It would be really fun. That would be so tough, man. <clears throat> so anyway, that's that's the thing. Um, Martin bro, bro just saying, yeah, a text. I know. I have to go run to the swim club and pick up kids. So you're oh. on your own. Are they coming home? Um, Birdie is. He wants to come home. Okay, cool. Right. I got it. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> They'll be back. See you in a little bit. Thanks for your sacrifice. Oh. Awesome. All right, let's jump into it. Um. I want to text and tell them I'm coming. Oh, all right. Uh, you can take your phone. I can't look at two phones anyway okay. while I'm doing it. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know who I am? So, there's no multi, no multi. Um, I can't even say things and read it. I don't even know what's going on right now. I'll stick it out. Scott Ordway is asking, my district decided that teachers must work from their classrooms to conduct distance learning. Now my wife and I are both not be at home to watch our daughter. That is starting kindergarten. Help, Scott. Um, I, so before I answer this, before I say something to it, I would love to know what everyone else is doing in this particular situation. If you could speak to that in the chat, um, specifically, if you like say Scott's name, so it's Scott Ordway is the baseball profile picture, um, especially folks that are in admin, um, which I know there are a few of you in here. I'm wondering how you all are handling this because this is, you know, the, the, the reason that this conversation is so problematic is that there's only seen that right now we're putting two sides. It's either we go back to the classroom and everyone is potentially going to get sick. And if one kid shows up and they're sick, then the whole school ends up getting sick or a large majority of the school gets sick because of the HVAC system and it's sucking up germs and it's spraying them all over the place. All these studies that they're doing, I keep listening to these stories, um, very little actually, uh, but usually on NPR because I don't. I, it's like it's too overwhelming to me. So you like take little doses of the news or um, we do remote learning. But then what happens for the parents that have to go back to school? Right. Like what happens or have to go to work or are going to be broke or, or not ha have no income if they are not going back to work. But now their four kids are home. And what they said in this last news report that I heard was that it's basically broken into thirds. There's a third of the population in the United States alone that thinks that school should 100% go back. They want their kids to go back to school. There's a third that think their kids, they don't want them to go anywhere near a school. And so homeschooling is on like this all-time high right now because folks are deciding to keep their children home and, and learn from home. 
whether that's part of your school or not, maybe it's just you just homeschooling like like we do. And there's a third, the other third are folks that are like, what do we do? Like, there's not enough information. We do not know what the best move is because depending on what news station you listen to, it's going to be like two, you know, rival factions. So what do we do in that? Scott, I can, look, I can only speak to this from, from where I'm at. Um, but I think it comes down to really thinking about what is the most important thing to you. I am still, and I will say this online because I'm hoping that it helps someone and I don't care if my school hears it or not. I'm not sure I go back this year if I have to be in the classroom. I, my daughter has like this underlying case of asthma that she's had her whole life, never flares up, doesn't need an inhaler, but it makes me nervous to think that, you know, if something happened, um, makes me nervous to think that my students are even going to show up to school and what happens if they have some sort of compromise system? What happens if their grandparents or their parents have some sort of compromise system? Do I want to be a part of that? Because I think this is what's going to happen. Um, and I don't even like predicting. I don't like saying stuff that I don't want to see really come to fruition in, in the world. But God forbid one teacher or especially a student gets really sick or dies because of this. I think that's going to change this whole conversation. Um, and then we're going to be like, oh, sorry about that. Uh, we're going to do, we'll, we'll learn from home and we'll figure it out. I just, I think there needs to be a third way. And so I like the fact that you're even talking about this. Um, if it were me, I'd figure out a way that I had to stay home. Like whether my, it was either my wife or I would have to stay home. And in this last year, like people don't know about this because I don't talk about business stuff very much. Um, but we took a huge financial hit because my wife quit her job because our son needed, not wanted, needed to be homeschooled for a whole host of reasons and to protect him. Uh, I won't talk about those here. If you ever see me in private, though, I happily tell you anything that you want to know. But it was like, so my wife went from working full time to not working. And then we just lived off my teacher's salary. And in New Jersey and Philadelphia area, that is not easy. So that's why it was like the books got to come out that we got to start upping the website. Like we have to figure out ways to subsidize our income just so we can live, not even so we can be like super booge. Um, but that's been something that we've had to do. So I think it comes down to like figuring out what you can cut out, what you can get away with. Can someone stay home? Can you, can you talk to your superintendent? Can you speak to someone and say, this is the predicament that I'm in. What do you think I should do about it? And I think the more teachers are voicing their opinions, they're out there, they're talking about it and asking questions about what to do. We are forcing the hand of us to have to come up with a better way and then say, I don't know. I don't know what you guys should do. It's like, no, we're doing this to help other people's kids. But then what happens to our kids? And I think that that is kind of where we are right now. It's like it's 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 bringing up the conversation again and again and again and again and again. That's the beautiful thing that's happening um, with a lot of stuff that's going on, especially with regards to race and race racism and, and white supremacy within the education system and systematic injustice. Um, it is it is the, the call is so loud that it starts forcing folks hands. They can't turn away from it. Right. You can't go without hearing. it. You can't go on social without knowing about it. And so I think just keep talking about it, posting about it, bringing up, asking the questions, because um, both of these both of these choices suck. Right. Neither one of them works well. What I want to know is like, I want to know where the hell all the smart people are in education. Where are the Elon Musk's and the Pierre Diamantis's and the Warren Buffett's of education that are going to help us figure this stuff out instead of the way that we're doing it? Um, 
What's up, Turtle? I see you in there. That's my buddy, Turtle. Um, Turtle, I was just thinking about you the other day and how I haven't been able to tease you in a long time. And, you know, we, we Turtle and I have this weird relationship. He's a student of mine. Uh, he'll be a junior this year, I believe. But uh, we have this crazy relationship where, like, we just make fun of each other all the time. It's really lovely, and I love it, and it's it's fun. But um, I miss you guys, man. Um, so even Erica said, Turtle is back. There he is, my buddy. Uh, all right, so my wife is out getting the kids, so I have to figure out how to do this. Uh, I think the next question, I'm trying not to skip anyone, is Brooke. Brooke is asking, first-year teacher, saw my classroom yesterday. What are some of the top things I should do to get my room in order for this upcoming year? So, Brooke, um, with without thinking COVID, because I don't know how schools are going to organize classrooms around that, um, I think... Look, one of my favorite things about a classroom is what are the things in there that just make kids want to be there and instill some kind of wonder in your classroom, right? Like I want it to be interesting. I want you to walk in. So one of the things I, I do first, I don't put my lights on in my classroom. My lights are always off. I just use the window shades and it's more than bright enough. Um, I've never had a kid tell me that they can't see or that it's too dark or anything like that because that, my whole back of my classroom is all windows. So that's that's one and it's free. Um, I like to have nothing in my room that I don't need. It is like a minimum, even with all my stuff I have in there. And I'd love to have even more stuff in my room because I also want to have like this Thomas Edison vibe where like Thomas Edison at his place where like he invented the light bulb and all this stuff he has like all these different um like different factories within one compound there was uh he had a supply room that was gated off but you could show up and they had everything from hooves to giant turtle shells to pieces of leather every kind of screw every kind of nail every kind of staple every kind of tool that if you needed something you just went there because they didn't want to have to run out to get stuff if they needed it. They wanted everything there. So kid has an idea. Kid wants to try something. We need a little bit of Play-Doh or some poster board or some googly eyes. I love having all that stuff in my room. But anything I'm not going to use, I don't hold on to anything for sentimental value. It just goes in my attic. I don't I don't have any of that stuff in my, in my room. So I think that's interesting to think of as well. And then how can some of your own personality show up in the classroom, right? Like, so maybe there's some fun stuff in there. Like, maybe you have lights. Maybe that's why I have flying books. That's why I have the tree in my room. That's why I have posters of books that have meant a lot to me and helped me to grow into the person that I am now, because I want kids to see that. So, but you have, that's like a, a you trying to figure out like, what's going to be your little thing that's in there. And the other thing I love having that I think more teachers should think about is I like hidden secret places. I like, places that kids can read in like a little nook or a tent or behind the couch. I like hiding certain things. So my remote for my room is inside of a book that I carved out the inside, which makes your hand hurt a lot when you do that. Um, I like little personal goofy touches like that, or like lockers that you open up and I got these battery powered lights on Amazon that you just, um, they're motion sensored. So you just put them in the locker sticks right to the top. When you open it, the light comes on and kids are always like, you got a light in there, I'm like, bro. You never know. It's like it's more like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory than it is a classroom. Um, so those like I, I just think that those are some things that like you're not gonna hear on on any other blog that you're gonna read, uh, because it's just dialed in for fun. How can we make this fun? Um, Thomas or Mark Twain said uh, the goal is to get your vocation and your advocation to look like one. And so 
how do people know that even though you're teaching, they don't know when the business is happening and they don't know when the fun is happening. And I love that because I think when kids tell me all the time that, yo, we don't even learn anything around this class. We don't even do anything around this class. I'm like, you have no idea. We do stuff all the time, but we were able to blend it in this way that you can't even see, man. You're like eating vegetables and you thought it was chocolate. One of the things that I feel like that you always forget to mention, but is really important for teachers to hear is that you bring in a lot of your own interests into the classroom and into your decor. Like yes. whether it's like posters of books you I did is, mention that. Oh, one. you did? Yeah. Oh dang it, I tried to listen while yeah. I was driving. But I let but... I let my skills create my room too, right? So like I really like building things, which is why I make, you know. But I just think most teachers get into this. school. A lot of teachers get into school because they it, love right. They I just I like content. making this stuff. So it's yeah. like if you don't like making this, then don't don't make it. If you don't like making bubble wands that look like microphones, if you don't like building bookshelves, like but what do you like to do? Maybe you like to sew. Maybe you like to make blankets. Maybe, you, and not that all schools will let you have that stuff, but. But I also just think they, they love, teachers get into the, into the profession a lot of times because they love the content. There's, what is it about your content even that you yeah. love that you can pull in? We've talked um, about this before. Dude, I know, if I was a we, science teacher. Well, we love. Oh man, it would look like <laughs> Nikolai Tesla was just going to show up at any moment. Um, it would look like some kind of mad scientist stuff. I'd have things in jars all over the walls and stuff like that. But we love that kind of stuff. You and I both like. Yeah, that's our, I think that's, that's when we used to make the sets for the plays. And, yeah, yeah, and your birthday parties are. My wife throws the most epic birthday parties of all time. Um, so I just think that's that's one thing. Uh, Brooke is. Oh, that was question one. Oh, she had two questions. Yes. Um, I found out my school has assigned Lord of the Flies a summer reading for my new tenth graders. First year teacher never read the book, reading it now. Any suggestions for teaching or activities? Yes, dude, I love Lord of the Flies because I think um, it can be about anyone. I think it could be about any culture. I can think it would be about any kids. Um, it could be about like you can, you can, and you have to read into some of that, right? It's clearly about British boys that have lived a certain way, that have been primed and proper their whole lives and stuff like that. But I just think that it's a really interesting conversation. So we do a couple of things. We do uh, Legos where we build, everyone is assigned like certain section of the island. And then we bring their like little section together until we build like this big island that, right? So everyone comes together. Um, we make masks. So when the students are uh, like, when the kids in the book are becoming more savage-like, um, my students all make masks and I just go to the dollar store and buy like all kinds of weird crap, like feathers and, um, fake plants and stuff. And then they, they create a foam board, foam core board, and then they cut it out and then they design it and they put all the stuff on it and they can wear those when we're reading it if they want. Um, we do, we've done things in the past where, uh, we, what else did we do? Like build forts. So I'll just get like sticks from some like landscaping company and bring them in and have kids like make forts when we go outside and do that. Um, there's all kinds of fun stuff to do with Lord of the Flies. I play music over all the time. There's also a play version that you can get that basically follows the same exact thing as the book. Um, but you can just go online and it's like Lord of the Flies. Uh, just type up like Lord of the Flies play script. It's free. And I download that. And then we read certain sections of the book together uh, as a play. And that makes it way more fun than just reading it as a regular book in class. 
it's more of an announcement I thought you should read. Cool. Uh, Little Space Freckles, um, who's been with us for a long, she's been on for a long time. Um, I got news. I got my first teaching job. I've been following you since I was a sophomore in college, and now I'm a ninth grade ELA teacher. Look at that, man. That's awesome. We like proud parents. It's like, that is fantastic. Congratulations to you. Uh, what a year to start your first first year of like your teaching journey. Yeah. How much craziness. Fantastic. Um, so look, now how fun will it be for you to show up and share and help people now, like whether it's in the chat or the Facebook group, um, to be able like so much of the stuff we've been talking about will become like real to you. And then being able to to implement some of those things and use them in your classroom. So that's that's awesome. Congratulations to you, dude. Um, where's Brody upstairs? Mm -hmm. All right. Um, John Grubel is asking, I am, I I like seeing names that we see on here a lot. It just makes me happy. It feels like you're at a party with your friends that you can't see or here, (laughs) but you know, they're in the other room. They're in their comments. They're in the other room. So, uh, I am getting a degree in English and I'm about to be a sophomore and I've changed my major. What's the largest, longest paper that you have ever had to write in college? Brilliant book, by the way. First of all, John, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, the, I think the longest paper I had to write was as an English major was my final like senior thesis, which was on the re-education of Malcolm X. Um, I've read uh, Autobiography of Malcolm X. I've probably read, I won't, it's not more than any other book, but it's up there. It's in like my top five most read books like i've read it the most times over and over and over again um and so then i wrote a paper on that and i remember i passed i knew i passed but i never went back and got the paper so i wonder if it's still sitting there because our professor remember him saying like he never gets rid of papers like you could come back 15 years later and i've often thought like it'd be really interesting to go back and be like hey man uh Graduated a long time ago. That's a lot of papers to file. I had long brown hair when I was in your class. (laughs) It was beautiful and lush. Now I'm a grown ass man. Um, Yeah, I know, man. That doesn't sound fun. But I forget. I think I want to say that was 12 pages was the longest paper I ever had to write. Um, But then I wrote a book and that felt like, man, I thought I thought a paper was long. And then a book is even like it's not like one person is going to read it. It's like the whole world is, you know, all these different people, thousands and thousands of people are going to read it. So that was like, uh, there's a little bit more why there. Um, our dog's being weird again. Um, Manel is asking, uh, wait, oh, I'm sorry. Got it. Uh, Manel is asking, hi, how's it going? It's going really great. Actually. Thank you for asking. I want to know more about classroom management for teachers in and out of the classroom. So I have a lot of videos on classroom management, um, but I think classroom management is largely like, look, you know, what, what can I say about this that that I haven't said before? I think classroom management is this thing that gets put on a pedestal often, and it doesn't need to, to live there. It is this thing that we think we are going to live and die by as teachers and we can, but I don't know that it's just based in policies and procedures. And that's where we usually put this stuff is, is based in policies and procedures. I think that more so classroom management has to do with connecting with people um, and in cre- creating engaging lessons. I think that teachers 
put themselves off the hook too often when they say it's just this class. This class sucks. We can't do anything in here. And sometimes that's true. I've I have definitely been a part of classes where I was like, dude, I literally I don't know what the secret sauce is here. Like I don't know what it is that's gonna like bring these students in. Um, but I put that on me. I never put that on the students because because I've seen those same students in someone else's class and they perform and they participate and they're they're being cool to one another. I just can't always figure out the secret to every class, right? And so every but the beauty is not every class has to look the same, right? Um but I think it's about being, it's about meeting kids where they are, bringing them up to where they need to be. It's about connection. It's about making relationships, building relationships with students. Because if you, if you like get along with someone, you're not going to act a fool in their class. You're going to, you're going to be a willing, more willing participant. You're going to see the work that they put in. Um, so I think that that is like, that's really the secret sauce. And And look, I think the last piece is too many people think that if you don't win on the first day, you're screwed for the year. I don't think that's true. It's hard to have that confidence on the first day. And you also don't know who your students are. But I think classroom management more than anything is a confidence game. Having strong classroom management is going to largely be based on how much confidence you have. Can you look someone in the eye? Can you ask someone for the ninth time? Can you ask someone to step out? Can you have a hard conversation? Can you step up and build a relationship with someone that is not easy to build a relationship? There's always kids that are easy to get down with that everyone loves. And that's why everyone loves them. But can you build a relationship? Can you ask serious questions or hard questions or, or vulnerable questions of someone that's like innately comes off as a jerk? Um, I think it's having that confidence game, that sauce, that swagger that you're going to walk into a room and this shit's going to be on lock and that's just the way that we're going to do it. And when you can get down like that, I think students respect that all the time, uh, but it takes that confidence. So then it becomes, how do you build that confidence? I think it's a slow grow game. I think that you you put yourself in difficult situations and you try to handle one thing at a time. Can I get my class to start every single day on point and the first five minutes is seamless. Can I transition from one thing to another? Can I end class on a strong note? Can I, um, you know, if I'm building relationships, how am I building those relationships? And I have, you know, I could go on and on and on about any one of these things. But I think that that is the basis for that particular, the how to have a strong classroom management in the classroom and out of it. Um, Caitlin J is asking, uh, Reynolds, loved your book. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. That stuff is never lost on me. Like I, you know, I sat in Starbucks all by myself, wrote that thing, and then put it out to the world. Put it out to the world. And it's like even see like all the reviews on Amazon. Like we have like 61 reviews. It's actually a really scary process. Although I know what was in the book and I like loved it. And yeah. I every time you wrote a part, like before they were even like edited, like you would write it and then read it to me and it would make me tear like I just knew how wonderful the book was but to still put it out to the world is yeah. really that's why I think scary, right? reading and the so, reviews on Amazon is are, is so humbling because I'm so like because nice. you just like look man you guys know your teachers it's like it's like this sometimes you don't know if you're actually having an impact and then a kid shows up at the end of the year, maybe four years after they graduate and they come back and they're like, yo, you once said this thing or like that really impacted my life or you, you did something that like really changed the way that I saw school or whatever. So to have people leave reviews on Amazon, it's just like that kind of feeling of like, damn, I didn't, I know you really felt that way, Tracy Pinter. I mean, I didn't know Tracy Pinter felt that <laughs> way, but it was, um, 
it's just something. It's something special. So anyway, um, uh, you seem to have so many strengths as a teacher. What would you say are your greatest weaknesses and areas of growth as a teacher? This is such a great question. I'm really glad that you asked this because this is because uh, this is something I think about a lot. I think my weaknesses as a teacher are largely um, I'm not I don't. The administrative aspect of school is something I struggle with, right? Getting things, papers done on time, like um, papers as in like uh, things the office asks me for, um, any professional requirements that I have, like making sure this thing's signed or you got this in on time or you signed your contract for next year or you um, you just uh, like came to the meeting on time or you showed up to the meeting or you stayed in the PD that you, you know, walk out of a lot of those things. But um you really just have to fake a phone call and then you go to your classroom and get actual work done. Um, Cause I am super student focused and that's good. But then like, sometimes it's like you hand in the sped paperwork like a day after or something like that, or you call the parent back, like, you know, many days after, or you don't respond to that parent's email for like a week, even though you saw it there. But what I end up having happen is I love the lessons and I love the interaction with the students that I spend all my time doing that. And then I, there's no time for the other stuff. I think the other thing is, I think my classroom would be much better if I was paired up with someone that was really dialed in on like, okay, this is what the actual unit's going to look like. Um, Cause I feel it out. I teach like a DJ all the time and I will, I'll drive to school and I'll think of things and I'm like, this is what we should do. This is going to be awesome. This they'll totally walk away with the concept. They'll have fun. This is going to be engaging. And when I'm like, so when I worked with my boy, um, Fines, uh, who's been in a bunch of videos, he's the big guy with the beard. We are way too much the same. And that was good for some things. And it was bad for others. Um, so when I worked with my friend Yank, Yonkers and I, she was absolutely like far more analytical, organized. She had like labels on things and things were filed in an order. And we knew when they were going and when they were happening. And then my job was to just show up and sprinkle magic. And we worked really well together like that. So um, I think those are like my two big areas I think about. Um, and then, you know, the other thing I'd say real quick is like dealing with burnout. It's uh, it's that secondary trauma. It's like dealing with the kind of problems that we deal with as a community in our school um, burns me out. And I have to be really diligent, really diligent to like make sure that I'm praying, meditating, having fun, playing music, hanging with friends, laughing, like, uh, because otherwise it can, it goes, it gets real dark real fast. And so it's making sure that I'm really focusing on the things that are going to bring me up and let me play offense instead of defense. Cause, because keeping myself out of the hole is like, it's, it's kind of like if a tiger is chasing me and I'm already running, I have a better chance of getting away. If the tiger is right behind me and I have to start from a dead stop, I'm not really, I'm not really that fast at running. I run a lot. I just don't run fast. Um, so then I'm going to get killed easier. I don't want to get killed. Not by a tiger. That shit looks like it hurts. Um, that's a great question though. Thank you though. Uh, Mr. James Pete, uh, question. I'd rather, or is this why you're laughing? <laughs> I'd rather Jen, I be there for this one. Um, CJ, but a couple of weeks ago, you, oh, knew this was coming back. I knew it was coming back. He asked but, it last week. I don't think we got to it oh, like in on time. purpose no um, but a couple of weeks ago you mentioned giving up something for lent 
this is a story that needs to be told if you're willing to tell it. I am willing to tell it. Uh, so Wait, you didn't ask me if I'm willing to oh. have you tell it. I am. I don't so have to tell ahead. all the personal details of I'm it, but kidding. like, um, go for it. I talked about a few weeks ago that I once gave my wife up for Lent. And so those of you that don't know what Lent is, Lent is like a thing on the Catholic calendar. It's on the Christian calendar, but mostly Catholics are known for Lent, um, which is the 40 days leading up to Easter. You give something up. A lot of people fast. A lot of people like don't eat meat or they don't eat um, sweets. sweets or they, you know, or, or you can take something on also. Right. So it's a discipline that is, you know, so you're feeling this kind of pain leading up to the day of Easter. So I've done this. I, I it's a, it's something that I love every year um, that I either take something on or I leave something out and then you do it for 40 days. There was a time in our relationship before we got married that um, we got into like a really big fight because it was one of these kind of like, no, I see life like this and I, the other one sees life like this. And I got, I felt so hurt and so wronged and we have never broken up. I mean, like since 1995, May of 1995, we met, started dating about this time of the year. It was June want to say it was 27th or the 17th I there was even, a seven i don't there. even know that yep. that's so hilarious we went to a concert <laughs> at hershey um stadium know. um i worked my way to get all the way to the front uh where there was all these mosh pits and stuff and you were like it's hot up here can we leave and i was like for you girl i will go to the back <laughs> and then i had to see this whole concert even though i i weathered the storm all day up there when the main band came on i was like all the way in the back <laughs> watching the concert I'm like that could basically be my step pop up there and i'd have no idea like i we're so far <laughs> away you could put anybody they could be lying to me right now but uh came tracy, home. i feel like tracy pincher understands yes. this we, <laughs> yeah it's one of those concerts where like your whole shirt's like this now because you're just like yeah. you're sweating so bad all day and so many people are pulling on you um anyway we started dating then that was 1995 Ju july of 1995 and we've been together ever since um so what does that mean for us? It means that uh, I never broke up with my wife. And so instead of breaking up with her, which was a very, very real possibility, I gave my wife up for Lent and we did not speak for 40 days, except for one time I was working at Home Depot. You came up to visit me because you had to get no, something from Home Depot. You 100%. I was cutting vinyl flooring for someone. Well, you walked I down the aisle. You're so magnetic. <laughs> and you looked super cute. And I was like, oh, I see your game, girl. I see what you're doing you're trying to seduce me with your cuteness and it worked but 40 days man we we cut we it did. off and then that was it man then we haven't been away from like more than five seconds from one another because it's like i follow you and the dog follows me is basically what the day looks like we do we're, we're like, like a train of we laugh that we're like conjoined beings. at the hip yeah so that's the story of me giving up my wife. Oh, Tracy days. Pinter said what band? It was actually live. Live. There's a Hershey favorite Park, 90s band. Huge. But they had a bunch of great bands open, like Flaming Lips, I think, opened for and them. They stayed up front for like most of it. I'm sorry. I got hot after hours. Yeah. I was real I'm not real proud of that being the band that I went to go see. That's why I was leaving that part out. But well, she asked. I know. Why? So. Live wasn't a they were cool back then. So were we. <laughs> you were awesome i think we got lost coming from that show anyway um victoria is asking uh do you have any favorite
favorite chapter of your book. I just started reading it and I love it. So Victoria, I would say, I mean, the easy answers are, and they're just because they're stories that mean so much to me. I would say the forward that was written by Romina, who's my former student, the story about my student that, um, uh, I don't know if I call him by his real name in it or not, uh, Joe story. The story about the kid who I ate lunch with um, and my wife made lunch for him all day that week and we found out about his friend passing away. Um, the story going to Gary V. And I think my favorite part of the book in retrospect is the last part where I talked to, uh, like, was it? A letter to Yeah, the letter that I wrote to teachers at the end of the book. Um, you can even start with that and then read the rest of the book. But that, to me, I've gotten the most people to reach out to me about too. Folks that are like, like, damn, like that, that thing hit them, whether they were new or whether they were old teachers, that's something that I loved. And, um, I, you know, even if you want to, if you want to take that, um, there's a really great poem, um, that I had in my mind before I wrote that, that is called a letter to the lightning teachers by Derek Brown. And it is poetry for people that don't like poetry. So it's called A Letter to the Lightning Teachers by Derek Brown. It's on Right Bloody Publishing. Um, you can just type it in on Google and it'll pop up. Uh, and you can follow Derek on Instagram too. He has really great stuff. But that poem, when I read it my first year, man, that thing hit me like a lightning bolt. And uh, so, yeah, that's one of my, that's, those are my favorites. So thank you. That's an interesting question. You're getting some new stuff tonight. I dig it. Um, H. Sadat is asking, uh, how, how do you send a signal to others that you want a safe community with other teachers without unrespectful uh, or disrespectful behavior? So that's a good question. Um, so if you don't feel like you teach in a particularly safe environment or, um, and, and what I'm taking that is like, you can be vulnerable. You can be here yourself. You're you're trying to you're trying to uh, love one another and like work as part of a community. And you don't feel like that, um, but because the teachers you teach with are are rather toxic. Um, look, I I think it comes down to a couple of things. I take zero responsibility for my entire school body. Um, I've worked years with teachers where the majority of the school body has been great. We've worked together. We've worked. Um, and even if we're not like best friends, like I just know your gang is like doing great stuff over here and my gang's over here doing great stuff and we can see what each other's doing and it's awesome, but there's just not enough time to get down with everybody in the school. I've worked other years where the school has felt wildly toxic and like there was a lot of underlying like passive aggressive behavior and hatred towards one another and like people not respecting one another at all. And that feels terrible. In either one of those, this is how I do it. I find a small group of individuals, right? So um, that might look like, I mean, I don't want to even, it's not even worth saying names, but like the people that you all would know is like getting down with fines, Cho, Yonkers. Um, I think Stu's been on the channel before. Meeks has been on the channel before. He went with me to Gary V the second time. You never put that video. You know, oh yeah. We so never yeah. But anyway, um, like that small group and even the group within the group is basically me, Yonkers, and Cho, right? Is my group within the group. So those are the two individuals I speak to the most to get down with the most at school. It doesn't mean they're better than everyone else, um, except for Cho, because, you know, I can't, <laughs> if I say that and then she watches this, I'll get in trouble. So I'm saying Cho's the best. But um, I, I find that having that small group 
allows you to be yourself within that group. And then what you're doing is you're not exclusive. You're not getting rid of other people. Um, you're just making school so inviting. You're making being around you so inviting that other people want to be like that. It's hard to just be like, it's easy to be miserable. And it's easy to be miserable as long as, as well as like if you have company. But if you can make having fun be attractive, you can make relationships with students attractive. And then you invite people into that. People, I think they, I think all of us got into education because we wanted that, but then it becomes a hell of a lot easier to blame the school, to blame the staff, to blame the admin, to blame the kids, to blame the parents, to blame the community. It gets real easy to do that. And look, some of that stuff's worth complaining about. I just don't live there. Um, I can say it, but then it's always on that thing of like, this kid is a total pain in my ass. What are we going to do about it? Right. They don't just get to be a pain in my ass for the rest of their life. If a parent is like that, if another teacher is like that, they're driving you crazy. Your co-teacher is nuts and it's making you mad. Um, I've had those situations. I've had those co-teachers that were like literally the worst people I could ever dream to work with. Um, but I can't live there. So what I do is I surround myself with like-minded individuals that love their work, that want to have fun, that are into doing cool stuff. And that's where I live. And when I can't get that all at school, like going into this next year, I'm not really sure how that's going to look. I find those individuals online. Those are the people that I connect with online that help me to, that I can call, that I can text, that I can, you know, communicate in some way, shape or form that are going to bring, build, help me to come up. Um, here's the thing with having fun at school. Just like with students, I know you've all heard this and you could probably finish this sentence. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, but you can make it thirsty. So if you have something going on, it is the party of a lifetime. It is the moment of a lifetime. You're doing something everybody wants to see. People, the curmudgeons can say, I'm not, I'm not going down there. What's, what's he doing? What the hell is he doing down there? What the hell is going on? What's so fun down there? Why I see bubbles come out and what is there confetti? Is that confetti all over the floor? Why is there confetti out uh, on the floor? What's that music? Why I hear music coming from down there? Is that drums? What the hell's playing drums in that class? What the hell's going on? You can do that, but it's hard for you to not go down and go, I'm going to see what's going on down there. And then when you get let, let in the Willy Wonka chocolate factory, it's pretty damn hard to not want to be a part of the fun when you're in there, right? When something epic is happening, it's hard for you not get caught up in that. It's hard when you're, and, and we all know this, right? And I'll say this as the last thing. We all know this because you know damn well when you were a kid, right? If you were in a situation, if you had parents, right, that were around, if my mom screamed at me in front of people or yelled at me in front of my friends or I got caught doing something I wasn't supposed to do and I got told, get in the car, Charles John Reynolds III, get in the car. Because we all know when the middle name of the suffix is tacked on there, it is game on and you're in trouble and your days are doomed. Get in the car. We get in the car and I think, I'm never talking. I'll never talk to you again for the rest of my life. That's what I'm thinking. I wouldn't say that because then I'm going to get backhanded. But as I'm thinking that, and then you're driving and you're like, I'm never going to talk to my mom forever. But then the worst thing in the world happens. Your favorite song comes on the radio. And when that song comes on, you can't help it because I'm a drummer. And so I drum on everything all the time. So now I'm tapping my foot. I'm tapping my fingers, tapping my hand. I'm trying to sing along, but I'm mad, but I'm mad, but I'm mad, but I really like this song a lot. So I start whispering it to myself and then it just transforms your mood because it's impossible, man, because it gets into you and then it makes you explode with happiness. And then the next thing you know, it's like, all right, mom, I don't hate you forever. And I realized what I did was stupid, but I'm still mad, but I just really love Huey Lewis in the news. And so I'm going to sing this song. 
because that's in my soul. You love Hugh Lewis in the news. They're weird. No, I don't. <laughs> Next question. Uh, Talia is asking, question, I'm going into my second year of teaching this year. My school asked me to be the senior in, senior literature teacher. So, uh, Sorry, I was reading that wrong. Uh, SEI reading or SEI writing, SEI reading, and an elective called AVID. I would love your advice on multiple preps. So I think the way to do that, the way that I've done it, is overlap as much as possible, right? The students are gonna know, the staff isn't gonna know, no one's gonna know. So when I was teaching, one year I had to teach senior literature, I taught freshman literature, and I taught an elective, my hip hop elective. So much prep, like, like at a nauseating level. So what I did is every day in my class, my class basically runs the same every day. There is a journal and, and for reasons, right? Like I have reasons for all this, it's not just laziness. It is a journal in the beginning. Then there's some sort of activity, like I'm gonna explain real quick within two minutes what we're doing that day. There's some sort of activity that's student-based and sometimes it has to do with choice. So now you're not teaching, you're not lecturing, you're not doing something to the students. They are living out life and doing something and you're facilitating, you're going around, you're helping kids, you're making sure all the parts keep moving because otherwise kids just, well, they're just like doing this. And then as soon as you walk over, like, oh, hey, so I was thinking about uh, Lord of the Flies. Um, and it's like, but if you're floating around and working with them, um, you keep the, you know, the boat keeps moving. And then some sort of closing, quick closing activity to check, make sure everyone understands what's for homework, what we did today, what was happening, checking in, something along those lines. Um, and then the other days of my week are the same too. Every Monday is vocabulary. Every Friday is an assessment. All assessments happen on Friday. Every Wednesday is half the period we are reading for about 20 minutes. It's independent reading any book that you want every Wednesday. Like when you put those days in order, every Monday's vocab, everybody knows it. Every Wednesday's independent reading day, every Friday, every Thursday's review, every Friday is um, assessment day. Then you're already organizing things. I think the next thing that you do is, um, it's very easy to just do if everyone's doing vocab on Monday to just have two sets of words. It's really not that hard to do. And then after the, your, this year, if you do it again next year, then you already have those words. You already have those pictures and not too much needs to get changed unless like a movie or a game or celebrity that I use in that vocab lesson really falls out of style. Right. So I wouldn't want to talk about Pokemon Go right now, even though that was the jam a few years ago. Right now, no one's really playing Pokemon Go. Um, and, and for those of you that are still into it, God bless you, but I'm just going to where the majority is. Um, Marvel movies aren't as popular right now. So I would change some of those slides and make it something that is popular right now. Um, and then let your actual lessons overlap as much. So if you're reading with the freshmen, you're reading with the seniors. If you're doing an elect, like some kind of group activity with the freshmen, you're doing the same thing with the seniors. So that what you're doing there is the way your classroom's even set up what you don't want to do is like at the end of a freshman class, reorganize desks real quick because the seniors are coming in. Or if the seniors are doing some sort of activity and they're doing like a like a Socratic seminar or something like that, and your desks are set up for that kind of thing, when the freshmen come in, you don't want to be doing something wildly different. That sort of overlap really helps you out. Um, and it helps you dial in what your lessons are going to be like and what that's going to look like. So um, try that. If you, have, if you need help with that, you can just email me or you can just come back here and I'd be happy to help you with anything I can help you with. Um, so HZA is asking, what place do you prefer to work? A place with no relationships and somehow, or a strange 
uh, place uh, with relationships, but maybe negative signals from others that break your line. So I think um, I, I would say this. Uh, when I'm doing work, I like it to be the same place all the time. Um, I'm I like being very consistent with that. And the reason is, is that I find if I work in, here in my office in the, in the laundry room, um, everything that I have, I'm kind of like really particular about where things are because then things are in the same place. So right now I'm planning on getting a new desk because I have this gnarly old desk that I've had for my whole life. Um, and because I don't really work from home that often, I used to just work in the dining room, but I want to have a place, every, uh, a place for everything and everything's in its place. Right. So that you're not fixing things. So that thing that, you know, when I was a kid, I knew that I got distracted when I was doing my homework. Cause I would have to like clean my desk first and organize everything first. And then when everything was in such a way, I could really do my work. So I minimize that by not having, it's my own desk. My kids rarely work back here. Um, this is my little section of the house. And so when everything is together, I know what it is. I come in, I put the first first song that I, whenever I'm doing any work, same song every single time. Um, I like this little candle that's up here. So that smells good back here. I set the lighting to the level that I want to now that I have these fancy new light bulbs. Um, so I'm very systematic. And so that helps more than just the place. It's the systemization that I've put in place to do something so I can maximize my work. Um, and then that helps me to do the best work that I can. And a little trick that I've been doing is I just tell uh, Siri, on, I don't want her to listen to me, but I tell her on my computer to set a timer for 50 minutes. I try and work 50 minute increments and then get up, get a drink, go out to my garden, do some push-ups. Um, go talk to my wife for a few minutes, get a snack, whatever it is. But then I, so because it, the science shows that like 50 minute increments are good um, instead of just working six straight hours, which I will happily do, but that makes you more tired. But getting up and, and punctuating your work with a little bit of activity really helps your production go up high. Emily Wynn asked, what song do you play first? Oh, Mr. James Pete is going to like this. I don't know. This is one of those songs that sounds like some kind of like sexist thing, but it's Van Halen. Drop Dead Legs is the first song. And the reason is there's this guitar part in the beginning. There's a groove that hits and it's that groove that bam, every time you hear it, man, it just puts me in my, in my place. Um, Unicorn said, I have the tiger. No, no, no surprisingly not. Um, there's certain songs for certain things that I have, that are, this is where I'm gonna get weird on you, right? Cause this is out, cause I'm weird. Certain songs for certain moments in my life that I listen to that recognize a feeling in me or can get, it's like a, it's like a audio cue for what's about to happen. So before I speak, there's certain songs that I listen to. Um, and one of those songs is it's either Drop Dead Legs or um, a song called, now I'm gonna forget the name of it, Talk Show Host by Radiohead. Uh, the vibe of that song, it just puts, it just makes you feel like you got mad confidence. Um, before I teach every day, there's a certain song. There's a certain song when I am going out with my friends and I want to have fun, or if I'm just chilling on a Sunday morning, like there's certain songs for certain moments in my life. If I'm feeling sad, certain songs that like recognize those feelings. And that's what I listen to. So um, Emily said, she said, yes, that's one of my uh, get fired up faves. What? The one that you, I don't know. The Van Halen know. song? Yeah. You just won extra credit points for life right there. Cause, and of course, James yeah. Pete is in there. <laughs> now James Pete is writing all the... Uh... <laughs> um, wait, He's I writing all the lyrics. Oh, 
I want to go back to uh, Sadat's question. I don't think that that's what he was asking. So like, you... I think he was asking about like what type of work environment, like a school that focuses oh, okay. on like relationships, but could be um, oh, oh, somewhat of a strange place. It seems like, or relationships, but maybe with negative signals from others. No, I, I'd that's rather, I took it as. I'd rather work in a school where it was game on for experimentation that relationships are king and education is only ever about the students. That's why I preach that so hard and so often. Um, I would rather, that's why, that's why ultimately I love the charter school idea. I think charter schools have largely gotten away from this, but charter schools were initially supposed to be a place of experimentation where we're going to just try, like we're noticing that like the regular brand of education in any, in this particular neighborhood isn't working and it's not having the impact that it could or should so let's try something crazy. Let's let's teach kids Latin. Let's make this science-based. Let's talk about the creative arts and how they are going to speak to certain students. So we were trying to take kids that were slightly left of center and then find a place for them to fit where they were going to thrive. So I think anywhere that that allows teachers autonomy and experimentation and and I will say even celebrates failure, right? Meaning that if you try something and it doesn't go right, we're like, yo, that was a great try. Like, what are we learning from that? How are we gonna change it next time? What are we gonna do next? Instead of crippling people because their kids' test scores aren't the best or you tried some crazy project and it didn't really work out. And then they're like, oh, see, told you that was gonna be a waste of time. Uh, this is how we do it. We do it this way all the time. Um, it's like trying to find ways to sprinkle magic. Any school that does that is somewhere that I want to be and I want to be a part of. Um, and you see certain people that do that. And I, I, I largely think that, unfortunately, that's an admin, it, like that's top down sort of scenario. Like I look at someone like Hamish Brewer and that guy just like, I know him in real life is just an awesome dude. Like, like I, I would love to work at a school like his because to work with admin that's like that. And I've had one of those principals, my our principal, Dr. Tennant, um, and, and I'm not gonna talk about all the principals I've ever had and, and what I liked and didn't like, but like that dude was just game on for everything and was just a joy to be around. He was like a like a walking giant rainbow. Um, if you could if you could match a polar bear and a rainbow together, that's what this that's what this dude was like. And um, it just made you want to work hard. It made you want to work for him. It made you want to go out of your way and do go above and beyond um, because you were given the freedom to try stuff. And I think Hamish Brewer is the first person I think of that I think is like that um, or even like a like a Brad Hubbard or something like that. But mm -hmm. Hamish is my same type of crazy that I think we would. Um, and then uh, Jonathan works in that school too. Like it would just be fire if we were there. Uh, Shelly C is asking, I'm 34 and I'm finally about to graduate with my associate's degree. Good for you, man. That is awesome. I want to be a teacher, but feel that it's too late. How, am, uh, how will I student teach and full-time work as a single parent? So Shelly, I, I think, first of all, it's not too late, right? Like everybody that's in here that's older than you is literally thinking right now, like you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and this is why, and I mean that in the best way possible. I, I think that teaching so often is such a better game for people that are starting a little bit later, right? Like I don't, and I, look, all Other people are different. Student, student teaching part that you make no money. Like that's the only. Oh, so I, I'll speak to that. But, but first, like getting into the game late, um, I just think that it's 
like you're bringing all that life experience, right? And so James Pete's going to be able to get down with me on this one too. But, and I'm going to talk about Van Halen again. I've used the example before, but I think it's a really great one. When David Lee Roth, when they wrote a song called, when Van Halen wrote a song called um, Running with the Devil, right? Not my favorite title. Uh, I'm a little too Jesus-y for that one. But uh, it's, uh, but Running with the Devil, they wrote in eight minutes. And in an interview with Joe Rogan, uh, David Lee Roth, the lead singer of Van Halen, was asked, how could you possibly write that epic of a song that, like, that is a song that you are known for worldwide in eight minutes? He goes, I did it in eight minutes, but that was after thousands of hours of playing our instruments. That was after thousands of Kung Fu movies that I watched. It was after all the books that I read. It was after all the relationships that I'd had. It was after all the concerts I'd seen and experiences I had and adventures that I had, that all this stuff was cross-training for now. So your life, all 34 years of it, has been getting you ready to be the teacher that you can be now that you couldn't have been when you were 22 or 26 or 30. It was 34 was the magic number of when you were going to be able to walk in. Um, I think that, like, I think student teaching is important, but there are definitely other ways to go about becoming an educator and not student teaching. You could go through a fellowship. So I was just working. I just talked to a bunch of kids from St. Joe's University in, Pin in Philly, Philly the other day that are part of a cohort that are doing a fellowship. So they learn in the summer and then in September, they're going to just start teaching. I've worked with alternate route folks before. Um, one of my fr best friends I've ever taught with this guy, Pelletier. Pelletier was a, did um, like classes, like maybe two nights a week and then had to do some weekend stuff. But then he was just teaching and getting paid for it. So student teaching, you make no money. And depending on where you live, um, you have like ours was from September, at really end of August till about Christmas time. And I didn't get paid for any of that. I got into some wild credit card debt that um, took a long time to pay off. But then in Atlanta, I believe, in Atlanta, you have to student teach for a year and not make any money. And that shit's a racket to begin with. That is just, it's, it's, student teaching is such a racket in that way that you should 100% be getting uh, paid because not all of us, not everyone lives at home. I was student teaching. I was like 27 years old or something like that. And I had bills to pay, rent to pay, car to pay for, food to pay for. Um, we were married lived off of credit cards. That's, we that's lived cool. off you and your tip money from Starbucks. <laughs> it was like, did you make enough tip? Can we get, can we get two Yo, things of, of chicken fried rice? Needed. <laughs> can we get two skillet sensations tonight? You know, or do we have to just eat it with a bunch of rice also? Um, so that's, that's what I would consider doing. Uh, cause it's you, like, you'll, you'll be fine without student teaching. It's a nice to have. But it's like it, you don't need it. Who just came into our house? Son, who's already here? He has headphones on. Oh, he has headphones on. The kid just lives in headphones now. We don't even get to talk to him anymore. He's in the Matrix. He's like the lady from Fahrenheit 451. Um, ooh, Hootzillion or Tease? I think I just said that right. And if I did, I'm giving myself a life trophy for it. But I apologize. Val's mess with my head. Um, question. Have you thought through what the classroom management looks like in a virtual classroom? Uh, a little bit. Um, so it depends if you're doing like asynchronous or synchronous learning. So like, are you meeting kids in person or are you creating like learning videos for them and then sending them out and they watch them in their own time, which I think is a better move. I don't think live 
learning is really beneficial for students, especially because it is requiring their parents to be in the same place at the same time, all kids to be on the same computer at the same time. Not every class, not every school can give all the kids computers, not every home has enough computers for everyone. So that's problematic. Um, I think online learning is largely the same thing. I think that if you are building relationships with students, if you're showing that your intent is to have the best classroom year ever, even though we're stuck in a Zoom world right now, um, I think that intent comes across. And I think kids pick up on your effort that you're trying to have. That if you're trying to make this a great experience, like my friend, um, Becky, whose last name I don't know how to say. Uh, Becky, oh man, I wish I knew it too, because you everyone should be following Becky on Instagram. Oh. Becky is like one of these, Becky. every one of us has like Something. that one Instagram person that we follow and you're like, how does this person not have like hundreds of thousands of followers? Because what she does is so good. It is like, she makes caves in her classrooms. She does like crazy Zoom videos. She's like the most fun. She makes Everyone her. on here should go follow this and then you should DM her and tell you that I, tell her that I told her. That's her name. I don't, I hope it's not backwards on there. Um, cause it's backwards on my screen, but this is my friend, Becky. Uh, she only has 878 followers. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal, like everyone on here, your kids should wish that they had a teacher like Becky. Um, and she makes her green screens. She makes her online content so fun for her students. And I think when we do that, I think when kids see your intention, even if the, even if the project, even if the thing didn't end up being as epic as you thought it was going to be, they see your intention and that wins. I think simple connections with students and not making things so teachery is going to win also. So I teach freshmen. None of these kids know me in the beginning of the year. So I've been thinking a lot about if I have to go, if, if we do virtual learning first, what's that going to look like? If we're in a classroom and we're separated by masks and a shield and a piece of plexiglass, how am I going to communicate with kids on the first day that I want to have the greatest year ever, right? When you can't really read my facial features and I can't read if you're happy or excited or think I'm an idiot. Um, and and I, I live off that sort of intuition. I live off being able to read people. Um, so it's like trying to think outside the box of like, how can I possibly make this the greatest anyway? Um, so I think that that's what it is. It's trying to do your best and make school the greatest it can, even though it sucks right now anyway, and letting kids see that effort and not letting, not letting anything skew that. You're staying on that course. And I think the second thing is trying to build relationships with students and their families so that they know without a doubt, right? You can't just do loving things and hope someone gets that you love them, right? It's like when you were growing up and you're like, but I did all this stuff. How come she doesn't understand that I like her? Because you got to tell her that you like her sometimes too. It's both sides. It's not either or. Love is a verb, but you still got to say, I love you to people. And then you got to do loving stuff to them <laughs> um, to let them know also and say, I'm loving you right now. I love you, I baby. Love you. Um, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Uh, Chris Chong, my buddy is asking, hypothetically, if you're to teach middle school, do you think your approach would change procedures, consequences? Nope. Um, I don't think it would. I think the only, if I taught really little kids that like, didn't know, like we're talking like under third, like maybe if it was first, second kindergarten, preschool, um, I'd probably have more procedures because I think those students would need it. I don't think in middle school, it would change. So if we're talking like sixth to eighth grade, 
I might have a few more procedures. I mean, I have procedures. Don't get, I, I don't, I don't want to sell this thing that like, it's like you come in, you know, where your stuff is, you sit down, you know what I expect. Um, you know how to hand in papers, you know how to be at react during a test. Like in my class, if you talk during the test, zero, hundred percent right then. I don't care if you ask for a tissue from someone or if you ask what the number answered number two was um and there's a whole reason for that but you immediately get a zero now you can retake that test unless you're cheating then you're never allowed to retake a test um for the rest of your life which isn't really true it's just for a time being um because i want you to feel it uh but it is um i have procedures but i think in teaching middle school no nope, it would be the same thing it would be like getting kids stoked about the school year getting kids excited about the school year getting kids um doing fun things in class. I think it would, that all that would be the same, but I get that like that energy level in middle school, like you're pouring gasoline on a fire. Yes. But think, let's take that metaphor a little bit further. If you have a high energy class and then you come in on 11 every day, what's going to happen to that fire? It's going to explode. Right. But there's good places to set off fireworks and have fires. And there's bad places to set off fireworks and have fires. I would not set off a firework in the middle of a drought in a forest with leaves on the ground because you will start a fire, right? You don't want to have like a California situation. Um, but if you're in a desert, if you are starting a fire in a fireplace, that this is a good place. You can put a little bit of extra logs in there and like have that thing like a burning inferno because it's the best place to do it. So it's figuring out how to navigate that. It's It's figuring out how to channel the energy of the students in a way that's like, like, look, every ADHD kid that any of us have ever had in class, right? They're not bad. It's not wrong to have ADHD, but you're trying to just give that kid an activity or a seat that allows them to do that. I just had a conversation with someone in my neighborhood the other day. Um, she is uh, someone that we know in the neighborhood, and she said that her her daughter no longer goes to our local school anymore. Um, so we said, why? What's, what's the deal with that? What's up? She said, I'm not giving all. No, I'm just saying. You're going to talk about the school. I know. There's a theme there. District schools. Um, she said her daughter has severe ADHD. And she asked if she could stand up. She didn't ask for any other special accommodations. To stand up at her desk when she needs to. The school said no. She didn't even ask for them to get a standing desk or anything. She said, I really need her to be able to stand sometimes. It makes it difficult for her. And they made the daughter feel so bad about needing this that the mom, who was like as level head of an individual as you could meet in she's our neighborhood. She's a police officer. I wasn't going to put all that out there, but oh. she is a police officer. Um, but she's the cop that like I've seen her with people she's where there's like other aggressive police officers around. They're like, do you want to go to jail? You're about to get taken down. And then she's the one that comes in and goes, excuse me, can we talk about what you did? Can we talk about what the next move is? Can we talk about the best way to handle the situation? She's like, she's like that kind of person um, kept talking to the school. They wouldn't let her. So her daughter had to go somewhere else. Right. Cause it's about finding a school, finding a situation, finding a scenario, finding a classroom in which kids can thrive just the way they are. Right. And I think that that it's, it's about helping kids channel that energy um, instead of telling them to crush it or to be quiet or shut up or sit down or be, you know, Sitting down and being quiet is important sometimes. We all have to learn how to do that. Otherwise, the movies would be a, a shit show. But it's about really trying to help kids channel their energy in the best way so that they can they can find success in the classroom. Um, I, I'm not going to sure how to say this. U-W-E-K. 
I don't apologize. I can't pronounce that because I'm inept. Um, but nevertheless, the question, oh, Argentina, man. What a, I, I was just reading about Argentina today. Um, my new kind of rabbit hole that I'm going down right now is with the guy from Tom's Shoes, who I never read anything about him. I don't wear Tom's Shoes. They look like different ninjas. Um, they, and I'm too big. I feel like when you're when you're really tall and you wear really tiny shoes, you look like an exclamation point. So, um, but that dude is fascinating to me. And Tom's Shoes started because they were being given away in Argentina. So love it. Um, do you have uh, your book translated into Spanish? Oh, man. Here's the question. No, hopefully one day. I, I think you have to get to a certain don't. point of like it being out there in sales and all of that sort of stuff. Because there are other DBC books that are translated. Um, I think Chinese I've seen. Yeah. And things like that. I don't know exactly how many different languages they will do that on. How hard is that in, to but do, though? I don't know. I think, I don't know. Please. The amount of stuff that we've learned through this process, nothing's easy. Nothing's quick. It all takes it's like time. It's way longer and way more entailed than we ever could think of. I'm sure there's a million things in translating a book. Um, yeah. Now I really want to have my book in Spanish. We're going to try for all those things for, for a ton of them. Someone else asked that. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask someone that speaks Spanish a question real quick? Um, Cause if I ask Google, it's going to come up some weird Google translate way. What is teacher class off in Spanish? How do you say that in Spanish? I would love if someone could tell me that in the comment section. Um, I'm going to ask. I, I don't have that answer for you, but if you show back up next week, I will have an answer for you because I'm going to reach out to the publisher um, and just say like, what's the process look like for that? And like how many you have to sell so that you can get to that place. Um, Cause I'd love to be able to offer that. Um, I'd also really love to be able to offer the, um audio book for folks that that need that but um yeah hopefully we'll what get you got there buddy that. there you go um matt is asking matt strinden i made that a lot more difficult than uh, to jackie be. said that teacher class off wouldn't have a direct translation oh but some john wrote john lopez wrote. something similar i don't know how to say Can you screenshot that because i want to keep it yes I don't know how to screenshot on your phone. Oh. You have that fancy 11. Oh, you know, I got you, girl. Bam. <laughs> um, Matt is asking, hey, Reynolds, hey, man. Uh, I love your examples about how to build relationships and culture in your book. Uh, how do you plan to use those virtually without potentially ever seeing kids in person? So, Matt, um, I did just speak to this, but I'll take it one step further um, and say that it is – it's the same way that you build any kind of relationship online, right? Whether it's, there's tons of people that I've gotten to know virtually that I've never met in like very few of these people do I know in real life. Like Chris Carson, I've talked to that guy for hours, never met him in real life. Um, John Lopez, I've, that guy sends me things in the mail. We've talked virtually a bunch of times. Um, I feel like I got a sense of who he is, but I don't, I've never met him. I've never met him yet. Uh, and I think that the way you do that is you become human beings. And when we look at our students as just students, as numbers, as just names or kids that are sitting in a desk, you get used to seeing them in the same place. You get see, used to seeing them walk down the hallway and stop at their locker. And then they leave at the end of the day. Your, your relationship is so flat like that. And it's about rounding out that relationship and finding out who they are, what they're about, what they're interested in, what they like, what they don't like. Um, and them knowing about you, because when you have, when you know who someone is, right, it opens up this world a little bit, right? It's like you're kind of peeking through a door that's closed. 
And when you start opening that up, you start getting more and more of a sense of who they are and they start understanding who you are. Then you take it a step deeper and you have shared experiences. So someone acts out of pocket. Like the one the, one of the greatest things a student can do for you is be bad in the beginning of the year, right? And what I mean by be bad is like they have bad behavior, right? Bad behavior doesn't mean the person's bad, right? I tell my students all the time, you are great. Your behavior sucks. Your behavior won't be tolerated because you're bullying or you're being rude to someone else or being rude to me or whatever it is. You are wonderful. You are great, right? You shouldn't change. Your behavior sucks ass right now, though. So what do we do in that moment? Um, in those moments, that is a gift that I think students are giving us because it's giving us a chance to get over something together. And shared pain, just like shared love, unites people, right? You go to a baseball game and you both um, like love the same team and, and someone hits a home run and you're high. This is back when we used to be able to go to baseball games and you're like high-fiving people next to you. I don't know that guy. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and we were at the party, you just felt like you were there with like a million of your friends, right? I didn't know one freaking other person that was near me, but you're like talking and sharing stories and drinking each other's beers and stuff back when you could do that kind of stuff and not get coronavirus. It was like this awesome event to be able to do. Shared pain is the same thing. If you ever went through a hard childhood, if you ever went through a separation, if your parents ever got divorced, if you know someone else has lost someone from cancer, that, that shared pain brings you closer together. And I think the same thing happens with students. We just have to give it time because the shared connection, maybe they like the same music, maybe they like the same TV shows, maybe they grew up in the same area, maybe they have um, like just hobbies that they like that you guys can vibe on. Um, and maybe there's some kind of shared pain. Maybe you have to go through something. And when you go through something, this is the beauty of working with people for a long time is if you can connect with them, you now have a story and the story is hard to get away with. That's why my wife and I are still together after 25 years. So it was, we hit a point where it was like, do I want to do this again? Do I want to date someone that like doesn't even know who I am? Like this person knows me, like let's build this, let's do this thing together. And so I think that that's how I plan on building relationships, even if I don't know kids, is doing it just like that. Um, Kay Craddock is asking, I am switching from teaching freshmen at university to teaching high school ELA. Uh, this is making me smile because I love it already. Uh, I need help with what to expect with paper flow and how to organize in the classroom and online. So I would say that uh, first of all, that is this is going to be way different for you, but I think in a really great way. Uh, because teaching high school is like kids that are like, you know, already where they need to be in college, what is expected, right? So that's going to really inform how you do things in class. I think it has to do with, you know, I think the mistake a lot of teachers make is that they think here's where you need to get to, and here's where you are. And then they, they, they diss kids, they make it, um, so that kids feel bad that they're not there yet, that the papers are handing in aren't like, you guys are going to see when you're in college, it's good. Did your phone die? Yes. Snap. I already read that question anyway, so. Yeah, but I don't know where uh, I was. I know. Um, okay. Are you eating gummies? I am. I'm really hungry. I'm not, like, I'm not a gummy person. Uh, anyway, um, so being mindful that you are going to experience students, and I'm sure you saw this in college also, that are far below where they need to be. And that is a beautiful thing because what you're going to be able to do is connect with those students and bring them up to where they want to be or where they should be or where they're going to find success. 
The other thing is working part of a team, right? So I, the one of the things I love about my school is that I just teach literature, ninth grade literature. There's a writing teacher also. There's also, um, so it's literature and it's, uh, what the hell do we call it? It's not writing, uh, whatever the hell we call it, um, but uh, <laughs> writing and stuff. So they, I, I get to work with that person i also work with my ninth grade team i also work with all the english teachers in the school to create a curriculum as that is coherent and that is um building on on every year before is 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 a great thing um and then i also work with my like friend group that i get down with so with all those things in place you're really building this community where you're not simply making those decisions everyone else is helping you to kind of figure that out as well and then just look at your first year as an experiment you're going to try a bunch of stuff a bunch of it's going to win bunch of it's going to fail. Give it a shot and then take notes so that the next year you start getting it more and more dialed in. The tricky part is that right now, since we're, a lot of us are virtual, is that what do you, what do, you do with that? Like, Because um, the way things are now are not going to be the way they are forever. Even if this takes two or three more years, so we're like really back to the swing of things, um, it's going to be like, it's going to, we're going to change so much um, in that time. Or what I mean, Nah, I, that was stupid. Uh, what I mean to say is that this isn't forever. So you're going to figure out some things that are going to help you virtually. And then once you get back in the classroom, you're not going to depend on those sort of things as much anymore. Um, so I think that that's going to best benefit you. Um, real quick, uh, quick thought while I'm getting to the next question. Um, I've been thinking about this feed a lot and I've been thinking about how great of a resource it is, like not just because of me, but because of all of you too. If you know anyone that's an aspiring teacher, if you know other people in your school that like are tired of like PD that sucks or like being around teachers that suck, or um, if you're you no know, college students are going to school for education, like please consider sharing this with folks. So like, just let them know like, hey man, I go to this thing every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and we talk about this kind of stuff. I just think it's a great resource and it's free, right? Like, it's not like if you wanna, if you want, you could buy the book, you can support us that way or support the cause that way, or like get the word out there that way. You can also sign up for mentoring, um, but this is free, right? <clears throat> and it's also a podcast. So if you don't, if YouTube's not your jam, or if this is like, you don't wanna have it streaming in your car, you can also download the podcast um, at, I think it's a Sunday Night Teacher Talk, right? Mm -hmm. Just look us up on, on anywhere you can get a podcast but you can share podcast episodes with people there as well. So if, you know, someone's 80 and they're like, I don't do YouTube, you can be like, but do you do podcasts? And they'll say, hell yeah, I love podcasts and then send it to them. So I just think that like, if this is something that you think is of value to you, sending it out to other people, um, it's a free resource that they can show up and ask questions with also. Um, and if it works for them, have them buy a beer, a cup of coffee afterwards. You know, it's on us, them because I don't have any money for that. Uh, Joyce, I think I'm saying that right. Joyce H is asking, um, any ideas on how to incorporate things students are interested in into high level high school math classes? Joyce, great question. Um, I think what I'm doing as an educator often is when I find out things kids like is looking at what I'm already doing and figuring out a way to fit that in. So what that can look like is, for me, it's vocab. It's examples in vocabulary. It is relating stories and books that we're reading in class to things that they already get. So if it's like, this is the hero's journey, I can break it down for you, I can define it. But when I give you the example of saying, it's Harry Potter, it is Lord of the Rings, 
it's Star Wars. It's um, a lot of the stuff from Marvel. It is Batman Begins. Like when I can connect it to those things, it now becomes a connection point where kids have this aha moment. And that's the reason you're doing this. That's the reason why I teach through hip hop and through pop culture so much is because I'm trying to make connection points for people so that now your relationship with this text is going to be game on. So I think about like, if you're talking about, um, now look, this would depend on your curriculum and your particular class and stuff, but like what little shifts could you make that like, if you're doing word problems, how could you make word problems about something that the kids are actually interested in? So they want, or word problems that are funny or examples that are funny, or how could you take um, a concept that you're learning in math and connect that to the way, you know, architecture in the city or in, um, or the way that someone, I don't know, I'm just thinking of like anything that, that has to do with math. It could be really fun stuff. That's like, Hey, did you guys know that like this, this, or this, um, <clears throat> did you guys know that, uh, math has a history in this and like stuff that the kids would actually be interested in, I think is a cool way. I think the other thing is going out and finding people that are interested in math that the kids might not know about and then bringing them into class in some way, shape or form. So what I'm thinking about is like uh, last year, I dug in a lot to a couple of books by Jay-Z and brought in like principles of what he was saying about how he loves to learn, how he loves to grow, how he's trying to become a better person. Um, how he struggled with things. So like conflict and things like that. I dug a lot into uh, the artist Pharrell, someone I brought a lot of his material into class because these are people that my students aspired to be like, that look at, that put on a pedestal. And so I can say, oh, but did you know, in this interview, there's like this great interview with, um, with Jay-Z and another one with Kanye West that David Letterman did on his Netflix show, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. So it's like what you're doing is I'm watching an interview like that. And whenever I'm watching anything, who who we start watching on Showtime? Um, oh, that show is there's a There's a show on Showtime. I just started doing the same thing with just the other night. I didn't know that this existed. It's like, it's... Um, two like middle-aged black guys they have a show on showtime it's a 30 minute show they do like social commentary in the beginning then they talk to some celebrity and then there's something funny that happens at the end right um it's like day zeus and marrow or something like that anyway uh so anyway the, the point is i'm watching it but i'm like oh that's a, actually a really good point that that guy just made i'm gonna like snapshot that screenshot it write it down i'm going to use that in class at some point so then what happens is you're moving through the world and everything you're looking at becomes a potential lesson point a potential thing that you want to use in class a connection point for students to 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 think about um i love that kind of stuff i'm constantly whether it's a sermon at church or it's a movie or whatever i'm always looking for that kind of thing so that's that's how we do it uh, yes, that there is. Uh, Dress to read, put it in the bottom. It's the last comment that's on there. Um, De Zeus and Mero. It is, it, look, it's not for the faint of heart, right? They talk about a lot of kind of raunchy stuff on there, but it is, <laughs> I see my students so much in that show, like the way that people are talking about things, the way they connect with one another, just talking, it just sounds like I'm sitting at lunch with my students and we're talking about stuff. And so, I was looking for things in that to kind of share with kids. So yeah, that's all I'm always doing. Uh, Emily Wynn is asking, I'm 40-ish and about to begin my student teaching. Oh, man, we are really dealing with like, folks, 
that are going back, getting after life. I'm loving it. Uh, student teaching in a seventh grade ELA class. I've met my CT who was younger, but we're going to be, I think we're going to be a good fit. Any advice to not be the crappiest student teacher? Um, first of all, let me, let's just take a moment and say that you're 40 ish. I like the ish on there and that you are doing this life change. I think about this so much lately um, because I'm 43 and I'm thinking about changes that are coming up in my life and how I come from a family, come from you know, most of us our age, I'm sure you have the same thing, come from, we were raised by a generation that stayed in the same place that was, and maybe that was because they were content, I don't know, but like, it was like, you got the job at 18, you wrote it out to the end for the factory, gave you your watch and you retired and your life was pretty much the same thing. Um, and I love, love, love being around people that are not afraid to be in their 40s and go, you know what? I did that. That was a chapter of my life, period. Put on the end of that, that, you know, close that book. I'm going to open something else and try something else. I love it. Love it. Love it. It's so exciting to me. Um, so anyway, uh, I think one is be open, um, and try things that maybe are uncomfortable for you, right? It's about getting into that uncomfortability because you're going to have a sense of what you think the classroom should be like. You're going to have, you're going to bring some stuff along of, what it was like when you were in school, what you think it should be like, and the job is not always fit into those categories. So it's about being open to that. The other thing is, I think if you show up and you talk to your cooperating teacher and say, I want to be the best and I want to make your life easier and I want to have fun with this, that right there, let someone know this is going to be great because you're looking for things to do. You're not waiting for someone to give you papers to grade. You're saying, can I grade those? Can, can we do this? Um, can I try this? Um, and then you're working as a team from the jump and they know, because sometimes you feel bad and sometimes cooperating teachers, you just get into like, you've done things for so long this way that it's like, ah, you're going to mess it up. I don't want it to get messed up. So it's like letting someone know that you want to do stuff. Or we feel bad for giving perk. It's like, it's not easy to do because as educators, we're used to just taking everything on by ourselves. The other thing is, look, start from day one, connect with students, connect with their families, connect with other teachers, learn as much as you can and start that practicing, exercising that muscle of building relationships. I think that's really, really going to benefit you in the student teaching space. Um, so good luck. If you need anything, come back, let us know and, uh, and we'll help you out. What do you got? I'm starving, by the yes, way. Yes, let's answer it. Um, like I have my little one. baby salad in there and I'll eat it, but I don't know that that's going to, no, it's not going to win me over. We're all starving. Yeah. Um, Kaden is asking, how much time do you have for your family on average after you get home from school? So that's a really great question. It varies, but I'd say this. What I look at is, uh, let's use uh, Days and Confused line here. Um, it's quality, man, not quantity. And so it is, Am I hanging out with my children? And I might come home from school and I play like an hour of video games with Brody, right? So it is us. I'm not checking my phone. I'm not doing anything else. I'm not taking calls. I'm not listening for calls from parents or emails from parents. I'm just dialed in. And lately we've been playing this game called Minecraft Dungeons, which is really fun. And it is 100% on point. That's what we're doing right now. And then I still put my kids to bed. Um, which they're a little bit old for that, but guess what? They're going to be 40. Let me show up at your crib. You can be like, uh, you and Brody and his wife will be getting in bed. I'll be like, Hey, hi, how are you? I just want to, I just want to put my boy to You're bed. You're like that creepy book. I, 
I still love them. What's the book? No, I think of myself more like uh, <laughs> I meet the Fockers. Like, I just feel like the Fockers. <laughs> There's so much to say. Like, hey, Lord, there's your umbilical cord hanging on the wall because I just love you so much. Like, I just, I, I'm going to be a Fokker. Oh, That's gosh. The thing. Um, <laughs> real rap with the Fockers. No. So I think um, that's, that's largely... Becky just texted me. I don't know what it was about, but it's why are all these people DMing me all of a sudden? Everybody should go over to Becky's Instagram now and just flood her DMs because it'll be really funny and you will not, you will be so happy that you did it. Um, she's awesome. She's so awesome. And so like the, it, it's about like if I'm watching a TV show just with my daughter and maybe I only get 30 minutes that day, maybe it's an hour, but it is, I'm doing it. Maybe if we're eating dinner, we're either all eating dinner together um, and sitting at the table and talking and, and conversing and stuff. Or sometimes we'll watch a movie all together and we all sit in the living room and we're all like we've been watching Karate Kid. Uh, so we're just getting through all the classics while we're in this kind of pandemic. So we're just watching that and we're talking about that, but we're together, right? I'm not splitting my time. I am where my feet are. And I think that that is the way to really look at it because then even if you have to work a late night, if you don't get a lot of time with your kids, is that 15 minutes before bed, reading a book, sitting together, praying together, singing together, um, is that really genuine? And and we're noting that. Is bath time 100% your present? Is dinner time 100% your present? Is um, video game time or taking the dog for a walk? Like all that kind of stuff. If you're really present for it, you'll see that the quality is going to be so much more important than the quantity. Because if you have three hours, but you're kind of on your phone and you're sort of answering an email and you're washing dishes or you're making dinner or you're talking to dad also, it gets, it's not as good um, because you're splitting your time. And so it's focusing in, honing in on that one thing. This is the question. That's the question I already answered. I thought that we said that was it. Oh, that's the last one. Okay, okay. cool. It is going to be, um, look, we're at an hour and 30 and I'm so freaking hungry. I had we have so little food in the house right now we that I ate grocery shopping I ate so badly. Lucky Charms for breakfast today. <laughs> and then I went running. You know what your stomach feels like after you <laughs> eat Lucky Charms and you're running 109 degree weather? You feel like crap. Um, so look, uh, we will be back next week. If you're new here, we're back every single week. If you want to listen to this on a podcast, you can do that also. You can also buy the book, Cha-Ching, uh, Teach Your Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. But next week, consider bringing a friend invite somebody that you think might get something out of this or send them the podcast or send them this, this recording. Um, I just think that it could be something that's really useful for people. Um, but I think being here is helpful because all of you are here and it really is something beautiful going on in the comment section there. That's it, everybody. Hope you have the greatest week ever. Peace. Hitting all the buttons to end the show. Cause that's what we do. You know,